when you watch CNN and MSNBC, is there anything missing from their reports that the rest of the world should know about? Um, you mean besides objectivity? Welcome to You Are the Guest, a weekly show where you can be the guest and tell people what you and your friends and neighbors think about news events and issues of the day. It's part talk show, part opinion poll, part reality show, and a whole lot of fun. And it's completely dependent upon your participation as a guest. To be considered as a guest for a future show, check out the website at www.youaretheguest.com for details. Now here's your program host, Bill Grady. Greetings from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa, and welcome to show number 49 of You Are the Guest, the show where we talk to everyday people just like you and me about their lives and about the issues of the day. Our guests join us from Israel. Charlie and Carol, welcome to You Are the Guest. Hi, Bill. Hi, Bill. And you guys were with us on show number 14, I believe. Wow. And what show are you on now? 49. Wow. So wait a minute. We had to have, you know, like a war for you to get us back? You know, you've always been one of those popular podcasts that we've had. And, <laughs> and so it's like, okay, we'll just kind of keep that going. And I, I, I do like us talking completely fresh now. I'm sorry about the subject matter, though. Why? What, why? Is there something going on? Just a little bit. Really? You know, nobody tells me anything. One of the reasons I thought we would talk to you is because, obviously, living in Israel, you have a different perspective from what probably we're seeing from some of the news channels. So I guess for my first question is, when you watch CNN and MSNBC, is there anything missing from their reports that the rest of the world should know about? Um, You mean besides objectivity? That goes a long ways. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, when I watch CNN or the BBC, especially the BBC, I do it when I feel the need to get aggravated. Uh, when I want to feel better, I watch Fox News. Um, and But most of the time I'm watching the news, you know, the local news here. So who's doing it the best and who's doing it the worst? I would have to say really ob- objectively speaking and you know from the point of view of actually being here uh fox news is probably the most objective that that we've found bbc is absolutely absurd i mean it's it's like you look at it and you kind of bang your head against the wall cnn is probably the next worst and um fox news is i, I yeah I, I i like their reporting So what frustrates you the most about CNN and the BBC? Um, They make it seem like we started this whole thing. (laughs) It's just—it's kind of funny in in a sick, perverse way. Um, Because it's it's like you you watch them, and Carol and I look at each other and go, are are we watching the same thing? I mean, they theoretically have reporters here, uh, you know? It, it, it amazes me. I think, as with anything, each news channel, Fox News tilts more to the right. There's no denying it. Um, and CNN, every, they all have their own agenda. And it's, I don't think it's like the news that I grew up in with that was much more, I think, uh, straightforward. straightforward news. 
What type of a slant do you think the BBC and the, and CNN is trying to take? I don't think CNN. I don't think they're equal. I think the BBC takes a straightforward anti-Israel stance. Yeah, BBC hates Israel. And where does oh, that yeah. come from? Um, I think they're still upset about 1948, where they had to. Um, we actually, take them out of here. Yeah, actually leave the occupation of Israel, and you know they've they've held a grudge. Of course, then again, they've held a grudge against you know the United States from. 1776. So the British are very capable of holding a long uh, grudge. How worthless is the UN at this point? They, they're ineffectual. Ineffectual? <laughs> yes, ineffectual. That's a word. All right. Isn't that a word, Bill? I believe so, and in Iowa we would count it as a word. But I, you know, I mean, in all seriousness, the UN, everybody, every country is coming there with their own agenda. So I'm not sure how they can be effective in in these kinds of situations. If you haven't gathered it so far, Carol's word of the day is agenda. We will be using that often. I'm getting paid for the amount of times I say agenda. When you say the word agenda, the duck falls down. Do you remember that from Groucho Marx? Yes. You know. <laughs> yes, I, I... Bill, you're too young. Never mind. No, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, the, the duck climbs out. Now you said the magic bird. There you go. Say the magic word. That's right. Uh-huh. Well, talking about uh, either magic or agenda, uh, how is the visit by Condoleezza Rice going to be seen by the average Israeli? <sighs> okay, first of all, the term average Israeli is an oxymoron. <laughs> because there is no such thing as an average Israeli, but I think basically in in the country we're, we're kind of looking forward to it. I, I mean, not that she's going to do anything or anything like that, but I got to tell you, Israel is just so pleased with the way that the United States is handling this situation that I I can't think in in at least the ten years that we've been here that Israel has stood more united in its, in its backing of the United States' behavior towards this country. So the message you'd like to send to Americans is what? Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. I, I mean, really, it's, it's, it's just so wonderful to, to have, I mean, obviously the United States say to us, listen, we know that you guys were attacked, we know that you guys are defending yourselves. We know that you're doing what you need to do, and therefore, you know, go do it. And, you know, what a pleasure, because, you know, you get the opposing view where, you know, you got uh, Kofi Annan and, and France and, and the European Union telling us, listen, we know they started it, but we don't want you to fight against it. <laughs> That's because... Europe in general is afraid. They are afraid of the extremists, uh, the Islamic extremists, and they are acting out of fear. And they're also acting out of, I mean, again, historically, is that whatever Israel does is wrong. Because, I mean, if you took any of those countries, if you took the United States or, or any civilized country, and another country, another sovereign power kidnaps its soldiers and then starts firing missiles at it, and crosses the border into it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't think that they would, you know, stand by and say, well, you know, we really shouldn't do anything. 
I just I do want to get back to the UN just for a second though because I want to make it clear that in the year in 2000 Israel complied to the UN resolution to the letter pulled out of Lebanon and from in the 6 years since then we've not had peace nothing like what we're seeing now obviously but there have been katusha rockets there have been um there were three soldiers that were kidnapped and killed and the UN forces were there watching all this going on. Yes. So a UN force is not the answer because those guys aren't going to put their lives on the line against Hezbollah. Why should they? Why would would they? No, they see danger and run. Basically, I would be a good UN soldier. I'd be even better because I'm a chicken. <laughs> I'm not a brave. The second danger, you know, hits, I'm out of there. So I could be in the UN. Is the best defense a good offense? <laughs> um, gosh, events. Um, sometimes they're one and the same. You know. Uh, so it would be yes. Sometimes yes. Yeah. Sometimes yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes you just you you uh, you have to make more of an impression. Let's put it that way. Are you considered a civilian if you have bombs, guns, and host terrorist meetings? Well, see, we talked about that on Israelisms, you know, often. And, and, and what, what we uh, pointed out is that, you know, once you're storing missiles in your basement, I think you have voluntarily taken yourself out of the category of civilian. Or if you're hosting a, you know, a terrorist party, that, okay, you know, so you're serving coffee and cake. But still, I think that you should take yourselves out of the category of civilian. And I agree with that completely. For example, if I was in Iowa and I was storing lots of grenades and lots of missiles and was having Al-Qaeda meetings, by the way, I'm not doing that. (laughs) But if the cops showed up, I couldn't say, oh, the Easter Bunny dropped off all those guns and grenades and everything. Right. And and yeah. so really because I'm taking actions I'm I'm making a conscious effort uh, especially in this case you really couldn't be considered a civilian. Cuz what we have to keep in mind is that the these terrorists do not have like warehouses of missiles or uh caches um or you know or storerooms or anything like that. They're keeping them in civilian areas in civilian homes underneath people's beds. For that particular reason, is that they're they're using all these civilians as human shields. And the uniform of a terrorist is that of a civilian. Right, yeah. So, like, where do you make the differentiation? Uh, What is the definition of civilian? You know, it's like, um, I don't know. Oh, and also you have to keep in mind is that the numbers of people that... um, that the Lebanese and, um, and Hamas are coming up with as far as, you know, how many were killed. You also have to take that number with a grain of salt because they haven't allowed the Red Cross in to verify any of these numbers. So we're basically trusting the numbers of the terrorists, which oftentimes is not a wise choice. When you talk to your friends, your neighbors, and your coworkers, where do they see Iran and Syria fitting into the picture? Uh, Carol, you better answer this because you, you're the only one here that has friends. 
or coworkers or coworkers you're or basically working by yourself. You're the only one that I talk to. So <laughs> go ahead. No, I mean it, it's obvious that actually both you're the only one that you allow me to talk to. So go ahead. Now Phil's <laughs> gonna feel bad for you. <laughs> I'll talk to you, Charlie. Every See? once every six months. Well, yes, and then we're gonna get off the phone, and Carol's gonna say, "I don't want you talking to him ever again." <laughs> Oh, so what else is new? Yeah, well, you're a bad influence on him. Uh -huh. She tells me that about everybody, Bill. But go ahead. I think uh, it's, it's obvious that uh, to everybody here that uh, Syria and Iran are backing Hezbollah. They are, the arms are coming from Iran through Syria. Um, although we cannot discount Nasrallah, you know, he is a very believable terrorist. He usually does what he says he's going to do. Um, and he knows how to read the map of this region very, very well, at least up until now. And I hope now maybe was his fatal mistake. And I think possibly he made the mistake because uh, everything that's been happening on the other front uh, in Gaza where we've been being hit by rockets that are not as effective as Katusha's, but none the rockets nonetheless, we, ha we were restrained and possibly Nasrallah thought that we would be restrained this time as well. Yeah, he didn't, I, I think that he misjudged things and that he didn't think that the United States was going to give us the green light that they have. In all honesty, I'm not sure that had the United States not given us a complete green light, we would have paid attention this time. Okay, in half honesty, I think you could be pretty close <laughs> to right. But, uh, and Iran is going to be a problem for Israel because Iran has said that they will wipe us off the map. Uh, Which is, and, in my opinion, a very mean thing to say. In my last show, my guest said that Iran leaders or the Iranian leaders are not psychos. They're just mean, evil people. <laughs> exactly. And my question was, okay, what's the difference? How, uh, how, how do you see the Iranians, or maybe not so much the people, as the government, or, or are they one and the same? I don't think, I'm not sure about the people. I had a friend um, when we were living in the States who see, was from Iran. bragging again. And she said, and her brother stayed in Iran. He did not leave when he could have and probably should have. And when they have a demonstration there, he's got to go out to the street to be in this crowd of demonstrators because otherwise his business is closed and he's thrown in jail. So it's hard for me to say what the, actually the people of Iran really think and feel. The leaders are nut jobs. Um. We had that in our show last week, the word nut job. Oh, really? Yeah. Nine times. <laughs> I will say, though, that uh, although Iran is a, an immediate problem for the state of Israel, it's not only us that could be in trouble if they get a nuclear weapon. Because if that nuclear weapon gets into the hands of terrorists, it's anybody's guess. It's the United States. It's London. It's any place that you could possibly think of. They'll be the big bullies on the block. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. But if yeah. it gets into a terrorist hand from Iran, it's not just Israel's problem anymore. Right. 
If Hezbollah is defeated, do you think Iran or Syria will find another group to support? <laughs> wow, good question. Um, no. No, I, th- I think the best thing that could happen is that if, if Hezbollah is really defeated or even weakened very, very greatly, then, I, and, you know, I might be an optimist, but I think that uh, the Lebanese government could then, um, I guess, flex, flex its very small muscle, but uh, it, it could actually take over their own country. So you, you don't think that they'll find somebody else to do their own dirty work for them? I don't think they. I, I don't think they can because you know it's like Hezbollah worked so hard to get you know a couple seats within uh, the Lebanese government that for Syria to say okay you know now here's who you're going to get I don't think the world community will stand for it. They let it slide with Hezbollah even though they shouldn't have, but for everybody to stand by and say okay you know you can have another proxy in there I don't think it could happen. In a conversation I had earlier this week, somebody told me that they thought that this was an artifact of the Iraqi war. Do you believe that, that this is an artifact of the Iraqi war, or was this bound to happen anyway? Um, Yes and yes. And here's another yes, is that it was also promoted by Iran to take the heat off of them for their uh, nuclear program. Because they, they believe that now they're diverting all the attention to this area. So nobody's paying attention to what they're doing. So why do you think they're stalling? Because they're stalling for a reason. Who's stalling? Iran. Because they want to finish whatever they need to finish to make this bomb. In your opinion, where is this bomb or where is this information coming from? Is it coming from North Korea or do you think it's coming from Pakistan? I don't that I no idea. I man, my first guess would have been um, Jersey City. Why Jersey City? Have you ever been to Jersey City? No. All right. Well, see, ask somebody that's been to Jersey City; they'll agree with me. Let me ask you another hypothetical question: Had the U.S. not gone in and taken Sudan Hussein out, and this problem arises, and he's still in power. What would the situation be like today had you had Iraq still governed by Saddam Hussein? Well, you know what? It's, I mean, it's funny because, you know, for, for Carol and myself, we're, we're, we're caught between uh, two places here because we're obviously Americans, but we're also obviously Israelis. And as Americans, we're very, um, I guess, questioning of, you know, everything that's going on in Iraq right now with the American army and, and things like that and, and the Americans' exit strategy. However, as Israelis, uh, getting rid of Saddam was a tremendous plus for us because we've got to remember that every time a Palestinian terrorist blew themselves up inside Israel and, and killed you know, innocent women and children and adults. Saddam sent them a check for 20 grand. Uh, that's not happening anymore. So he was a huge supporter of terrorism in the Palestinian territories. So for us, getting rid of him, for us as Israelis, getting rid, rid of him was, was huge. I mean, it, it was great. 
what's happening there now is, you know, obviously not so great. I think so. I mean, I can't, I am very biased when it comes to the war in Iraq, obviously. I am grateful that Saddam is gone. I am grateful to the American soldiers who did this job. I, um, I think, it, and, and all the time I remember in the beginning of the war, Israelis would say, would, would be worried because they didn't think Americans knew what they were getting into, and I guess there is a bit of a quagmire there at this point. Um, I don't agree with the Democrats who say we have to leave <laughs> now and just walk out of, of Iraq. I think there needs to be some kind of a, a, a plan to strengthen them so that the Americans can finally leave. The last time we talked was in the fall of 2005. So how have your opinions about Iraq or how have the people around you and their opinions changed about Iraq since then? Wow. I don't know. I'm not sure we talk about it as much because there's just way too much going on in our own backyard. Kind of got a plateful here. Um that, that uh, the discussion of what's happening in Iraq is not really, I, you know, it's lousy to say, but it's not much of a topic of conversation when, you know, you've got, you've got missiles landing all over the place. I mean, it's, you know, it's really but before, a shame, right? But before the missiles, be, before all this happened. Let's see, has our opinion changed? Well, you know what, as far as American politics are concerned, Carol and I are on like opposite ends of the spectrum. So, you know, um, not in everything, I think, in maybe in foreign policy. Okay. I'm very liberal in my domestic policy thinking. Really? Yeah. Oh, hey, thanks for calling, Bill. Hey, happy to help out. <laughs> any, any, anything else I can get you guys to come together on? <laughs> That's it. We, we only talk to each other if there is a podcast involved. Maybe that's what, you know, we need here. <laughs> People only talk to each other when they're podcasts. That's it. We uh-huh. are changing the world and families as we speak. That's right. One podcast at a time. And there would be peace in the world. That's right. Who are the innocent people on both sides? Me. I, th- I think, listen, I think that there are plenty of, in- of innocent Palestinians who have gotten into the crossfire. I think there are Lebanese people that are suffering from this. Nobody here in this country is under, you know, is taking any joy in anything that happens to the other side. I think that the Israeli Air Force and the Israeli Army in general has gone above and beyond. Every time they want to go into a village and I'm talking about now in Lebanon, they notify the people um, with either dropping pamphlets or radio. I mean, they've got a lot of different ways to notify the people, but they say, we're coming, get out. And doing this, they are also notifying the terrorists that they're coming. So yeah. they're, you know, they're risking, they're putting themselves at risk to try and save civilians as much as they can. The fact of the matter is, and you know, you, you mentioned innocence. Um, is it yeah, absolutely? I mean, I, I would. I don't know if it's a majority of Palestinians, but a great many Palestinians obviously want peace with Israel because 
you know, realistically speaking, Israel is where the bread and butter is. Uh, there, there's not a lot of employment in the Palestinian territories. Most of these Palestinians are making their living by crossing the border and coming into Israel. Uh, there was a time, gosh, you know, like when Carol and I first moved here 10 years ago, up until about seven or eight years ago, um, that the, the, the situation with the Palestinians was, okay, it wasn't, you know, wonderful and peaceful, but it certainly was uh, a whole hell of a lot better than it is now, whereas you could, you know, you could go to um, a Palestinian village and, and do some shopping for fruits and vegetables or, you know, or, 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 or furniture, things like that. There was, there was this uh, cross-promotion. There, was, there were cross-cultural happenings together. And the way that the politicians and, and, and the terrorists and even, you know, in, in, in a large part the media make it out to be, is that the way that things are between the Israelis and the Palestinians now is the way that it's been for the last 60 years. And that's not true. All that you have to do is go back seven years to see the difference. But people's memories are so short that they see what's happening now and they assume that this is the way that it's always been. What's everyday life for you like now? Is it normal, would you say? You know, are people shopping, going to the malls? Or is it, uh, are you guys living in fear? What is your everyday life like right now? Yeah, we live in, first, I mean, we should be clear, we live in Jerusalem, or not in Jerusalem, in the suburb of Jerusalem. So we, we personally are not near, at least not yet, of where any missiles are landing. Yes, the only fear that we really have pretty much is of Carol. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the kids. The kids also. We are yeah. afraid of the kids. That's why we joined together. <laughs> For the most part. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, everything is, I mean, it, it's, it's as normal as can be. What, what has happened is that a lot of people from the north, from Haifa and those areas, have come down to Jerusalem. So the hotels are thriving. Um, and, but, yeah, the malls are still crowded, and shopping is going on. And one, one great thing about Israelis... Unfortunately, you know, it's like fortunately and unfortunately, is that we're a resilient group. And we just, no matter what happens, it's very, very important to us to keep business as usual. Because otherwise, you know, you just make yourself nuts. But I think uh, people are constantly listening to the news. Oh, yeah. That's the one. And, and the other thing that I would, would say and I think needs to be said is that the people on this issue, I would say, are, if not 100%, 99%, we, are, we stand together. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, even now, and I know you can't hear it because of the speakerphone, but even now you can hear jets going overhead. Yeah, that, that we do hear. Uh, and I can hear that, too. We can hear that as well. It's coming over. Yeah. Those aren't passenger. <laughs> that's not LL. <LL. laughs> yeah, we can hear that. That's that's coming over. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're on their way to to Lebanon. Because you have a mandatory military service, what are the young people saying about this conflict? Well, it's funny because our daughter Ariel just went into the army Tuesday. Tuesday. 
and uh, she's in basic training now. Actually, she's home for the weekend. I have to take her to the bus in the morning. Um, and and she came home with a couple stories. She came home with a story of a guy that she knows that was actually on his last day of active duty, and they told him that uh, they, they they extended his his tour. Fifty six more days, and he goes to Lebanon. Yeah, fifty six more days. And this is not, you know, an unusual case. Fortunately, they haven't had to have a call-up yet. What are you talking about? What, they had a call-up? Of course. Nobody I know went. You know old people. Well. But now this, uh, this I mean, we have daughters, so, uh, you know, anybody that's in uniform could basically have a target, you know, on them. But um, I know my older daughter, her friend um, has been sent to Lebanon and, it scares me. Yes. And here's the final question. In your opinion, what will the aftermath be like and what will the rebuilding be like? The aftermath, wow. Well, the aftermath will be that we get the soldiers, the, the, the hostages back. And there is a Lebanese army force on the northern border. Yeah. Or on their southern border. Uh-huh and uh, Hamas stops firing missiles at us from Gaza, and... Um, we get that soldier back as well. We get that soldier back, and, and everybody's happy. <laughs> well, you know, if they would use the land that they were given in Gaza to um, build instead of to launch rockets, then I think their lives would be immensely improved. You would think, yeah. Uh-huh. And also, you know, it's, I mean, not to, you know, give Israelism too much of a plug, but on our last show, on the show that we just did uh, Friday, um, I, I did give the answer to the crisis in the Middle East. And, so. and this was a serious one, Bill. I thought he was going to, you know, it was going to be a, another one of his jokes, but it was a serious one and it was a good one. Oh, I heard it. You kind of gave him a little bit of shock and awe. <laughs> yes, you did. Good for you. But I'm not going to give it away. I'm going to let people tune into Israelisms themselves and hear the solution. Okay. <laughs> Carol, I'm going to give you the last word. Okay. Um, the pressure is on. <laughs> I will say that um, I hope uh, this ends as quickly as possible. Uh, if you have any listeners from around the world, um, I think they need to understand that uh, we do not look at the Lebanese people as their enemy. We do not look at the Palestinian people as their enemy. However, Hamas is our enemy and Hezbollah is our enemy. But to the regular people of uh, Lebanon, we wish them only uh, good lives and peace. Charlie and Carol, it's time to play Ask Bill 3. This is where I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, and you get to ask me three questions about anything. So fire away. Okay, well, uh, first of all, this is not going to be about war. (laughs) It's not going to be about the Middle East. However, I am kind of curious as to what your favorite rock group ever is. I would have to say it would be Boston. Because probably I've played those CDs during my lifetime more than anything else. But in that mix, you'd have to throw in 
groups from the 70s like Foreigner, Kansas, Journey. I like The Cult from the 80s and 90s a lot. So those would be some of the bands. Huh. Even the third album with Boston, huh? Third album was was a kind of a departure. Uh, the fourth album was real eclectic, and I here's how big of a fan I am. I even have wow, the fifth. That's how big of a fan you are. You have the fourth album. I have the fifth album. Oh my god! Called, I didn't even know they had a fifth album. Yeah, it's called Corporate America, and they they've got a female singer in there. Really? And uh, But I also have a couple of albums uh, from some offshoots of Boston. Um, one of them is uh, Barry Goodrow, who was the lead guitar player for Boston, and he's got uh, Brad Delp as the lead singer in that one, who was the lead singer for Boston. And uh, Orion the Hunter, which also has the lead guitars from Boston, and uh, the lead singer for the fourth album, is in that band as well. I am very impressed. That is dedication. I, I, I respect that. And save your money on the fifth album. <laughs> I didn't even, I tell you, uh, I stopped at the third. <laughs> okay, second question. If you could interview any daytime talk show host, who and why? I guess if I'm going to pick somebody, I'm going to go for the cream of the crop, and it doesn't get any bigger than Oprah. So I would pick Oprah to to ask her some tough questions, and maybe to have her have me on her show too, so I can get lots of exposure and and uh, kind of one back scratches the other. How, how about for yourself? Um. Oh, I pick Oprah. Yeah. I want one of you know, she keeps giving her audience all this stuff, so I want stuff. <laughs> yeah, but who would you want to interview? I'd interview Oprah. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. And hoping that you'd get a car in the meantime. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. How about you, Charlie? Um, gosh, daytime. Pick one from your past. As, yeah, well, you know what? As, as much as I absolutely hate his politics, I would probably pick Phil Donahue because he's really the one that started it all. He really, you know, there, there, there wouldn't be an Oprah without Phil Donahue. If there was a talk show host that I could interview, just whether it's daytime or nighttime, it would be Tom Snyder because as a kid I watched – a lot of those Tomorrow shows. He used to stay up late to watch the Tomorrow show. And I was a listener of his radio program as well. So for me, Tom Snyder would be cool to interview. I he would be good. David Frost would be good. Who does the Daily Show? Oh, John Stewart. John Stewart would be. I'd love to. Just yeah, but he's not. I guess he's an interviewer. Um... Gosh, there's so many. Johnny Carson. I mean, I realize it's too late. <laughs> that would have been one. You oh, know? oh, absolutely. You know, we all grew up watching Johnny, and to be able just to meet him would have been a huge deal. Yeah. He was just, he, he was the master. Yeah. Okay. Third question. 
and not necessarily talk show, news, anything, in your opinion, who is the best interviewer ever? I always liked Mike Wallace going back to the early 60-minute days because uh-huh. you used to tune in to 60 Minutes early on to see who Mike Wallace would beat up. <laughs> it's like, oh, Mike Wallace is going to talk to this guy from this company. It's like, ooh, he's going to ask him all the tough questions and grill him. So from from my past, I'm going to throw out Mike Wallace. Good one. Do you have one on your list? Hmm. The best interviewer ever? Barbara Walters. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Are you a fan of The View? No, you know, we don't get that here. You're not missing anything. Star. Yeah, we heard about Star. What's her name? Is that her name? Yeah, Star Star. Jones. Uh, Star Jones. Yeah. No, we don't. We don't get that here. Yeah, I, I cry every time I watch The View, but that's because I feel sorry for the couch. Charlie and Carol, do you want to tell about your podcast and how our listeners can tune in each and every week? Sure. It's uh, Israelisms Podcast at www.israelisms.com. And... Uh, we basically, um, we pretty much talk about what we talked about here, except it's just Carol and me, or Carol and, the, you know, Ariel and Samantha, our daughters, or we also go out on the road to interesting places. We interview semi-interesting people, and it's about everyday life and politics in Israel, and it's becoming more and more popular, and we're really grateful for that. And if people really want to find out what's going on after our show, they can continue to be updated with your show. Right. Yes. Each and every week. At least once a week. Yep. Charlie and Carol, thank you so much for being our guests this week on You Are the Guest. Thanks, Bill. If you'd like to be a guest on a future show, just go to our website at www.youaretheguest.com. Submit your first name, the town where you live, and a short description on why you'd make a good guest. There is no charge for being a guest, and you'll have the opportunity to share what you think and how the news and events from today affect your life. The show's producers will contact you by email if you're chosen for a future show. If you'd like to drop me a comment about this week's show, just email me at billgrady at youaretheguest.com. That takes care of this week's show. From the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa, I'm Bill Grady. Thanks for listening.